All right, let's go. Are you ready to go? Hebrews 11 and 6, and then I'll let you be seated when we're done. If you're new to our church, I'm so glad you're here, and I hope that you feel the love from us. I hope that you feel God's Spirit moving on you, and I hope that you get connected to our church. And so if you're new tonight, we want to meet you, connect to you, and thanks for coming out on our midweek service, and I hope that you'll come this weekend to be in church. Hebrews 11 and 6, but without faith it is impossible to please Him, to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that, number one, he is. And number two, if you come to him, because you wouldn't ever go to him if you didn't believe that he is, but then you have to believe that he will, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. There are two parts to interacting with God, and there are even two parts to interacting with anyone. If you're going to have a relationship and it's going to be right, you have to believe that he is and believe there's something you'll get out of it. You have to believe he is and that he is a giver. He is and he's a giver. The two things are important. And if you don't have that, then you won't build a relationship. You won't continue relationship. And so what I felt from the Lord tonight is we need to get to this place where we have a great foundation of, of truth or trust and love. Okay, because that is exactly what the scripture is saying. He is, that's the trust part. Rewarder, that's the he is the giver part. He's the lover. So love and truth is found here. He is, that's the truth. All right, he will reward you. He's a giver, he's a lover. God loves us and God is honest and truthful. The truth is in him, but he loves us. Truth and love, that's the balance. That's the building blocks of the church. Everybody say truth and love. Let me give you another one, Ephesians 4 and 14, as I turn my watch noise off here. Ephesians 4 and 14, that we should no longer be children tossed or thrown around to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. We should not be children, which means we're flaky, we're not committed. We, we can't keep commitments when we're children. Y'all know that, you were a child, you have children. Children make promises and they don't keep them, right, because they're immature, so you can't be flaky. That's what it's saying here. We should not be flaky Christians. We shouldn't be uncommitted Christians. You can't count on us. He's saying you got to grow up. That's what he's saying here. Moving around with every new doctrine, uh, every trickery of men, always deceived, always being pulled to this or that because you're always deceived. You have no foundation. He's saying you shouldn't be that. You're getting tricked by men and, and cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting. But verse 15, but here's how we fix all this. But speaking the truth in love, this is what he's going to do. He's I'm going to speak the truth to you in love, and that's going to fix it. Because when I do that, then you can grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. You can grow up if we'll learn how to communicate the truth in love. But you have to do it just like that. If we're going to grow up and become an established church, you have to be a, a steady, healthy balance of truth speaking in love. And churches that mess up get one or the other. Churches that mess up get one, they get out of balance. They don't do both. We have to do both. Everybody say in Jesus' name. That's the word of the Lord. Let's be seated tonight. And once again, thank you for coming. Speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. Help us, God, to be able to speak the truth in love. Before we can truly help anybody, and some of this is just logical teaching tonight, 
there are two things that must happen, and I think you'll agree with me. Number one, the person has to trust us. They have to trust that we can help them. If you don't trust that we have something to offer, then you won't waste your time with us. You have to believe that someone can help you or you will not invest your energy around that person. That's number one. Because you can know that you're loved, but not believe that the person that loves you can help you. Yeah, so I believe, and I'm going I'm to talk about Omar because he's not here tonight to defend himself. I believe Omar loves me, but you will not catch me anytime trusting Omar to help me replace my engine on my truck. <laughs> I love Omar, and he, he's got, apparently has COVID. It's so weird because people have very few symptoms, but they apparently test positive for COVID. So it's like, we don't know what to do with it, but he has COVID, whatever. And he's not here tonight, but I love, I love Brother Omar, our, our new staff member, our operation director. He's a great blessing to our church. But Brother Omar, as much as I love him, there are things I don't trust him to do. He's not performing heart surgery on me as much as I love Omar. No disrespect, Omar. I know you're watching online right now. At least you better be. No disrespect, my brother, but... Just because I don't trust you in areas doesn't mean I don't love you. I'm already preaching now, right? See, we get, we, y'all, we fight, we fight, we fight. We use the word trust, we throw it around. I don't trust them. They love me. I don't trust. I'm like, I love you. I don't trust you. There are some things I don't think you should be trusted to do. You have to earn trust. You don't earn my love. You don't earn my love. Love is what I give. Love is who I am. But trust is something you have to earn. Y'all know I'm telling the truth, right? You, you don't just trust anybody to do something, do you? No. It's not offensive that I don't want Omar's help in this specific thing. Now, do I trust Omar as a person? Yes. I trust that Omar would do everything I told him to do if I was working on my truck. I just don't trust him to do it without lots of help. I don't trust him to do anything besides maybe grab a wrench if he knew what that was. I don't know. I don't know his experience with that. All I'm saying is there are areas that your heart can be pure and you still have nothing to offer. You know what Omar would do? Omar would say, how can I help pay for it? Omar would be there as moral support, go get me some lemonade, bring it back. Omar would do stuff like that because Omar loves me, but I can't trust Omar to do some things and that's not bad. Omar needs to learn how to change engines, and then guess what? I'll trust him. But Omar has to earn that. So remember, tonight we're talking about truth and love and the balance. We're talking about, about trust and relationships. So I'm going to use all these examples and parables to help teach a lesson, okay? So my point right here is love is not enough. Love is not enough, Sister Stella. Love is not enough. We need to believe or trust in the helper. You have to. Look, I'm, I'm so glad you love me as your pastor. That doesn't mean you trust me. Pastor, I just love you. No, you earn, I have to earn your trust. Y'all don't have to say amen. I'm not getting mad at you. You can say amen if you want to. Some of you are just like, been thinking about it, but not saying amen. No, I get it, y'all. You haven't caught me at my best. 
My best will probably be, I don't know, 65, the prime of ministry. I figured out all the bad stuff. I've learned how to do it all. Some of y'all be dead. You won't even get to experience the greatest of my ministry. But your kids might if you hang around and keep praying for me. Well, sorry for your grandkids if you're not on my side. Because by the time I'm 65, I could do some really amazing things. So, so you can love me and not trust me. Because trust takes time to prove that you can trust me. That's just the truth tonight. So, number two, they have to know, they have to trust, number one. And number two, have to know that you love them. Two building blocks have to happen if you're going to have success. With God or with man in ministry or marriage. You have to prove that you love them and you have to prove that you're trustworthy. Two things have to happen. This is number two. You ready? Number two, they have to know we love them. That is necessary. Let me give you an example. A surgeon is going to cut you to help you. It's the only time you will allow someone to cut you wide open and be cool with it. There is no other time in your life where for fun, you will let someone cut you open and just be like, can I pay you for that? How about 80000 Does that sound good? Yeah. That's not going to happen. Especially if you think that that person hates you. Watch this. If the surgeon that, you, that you're about to fall asleep, anesthesia came in, and the surgeon comes in, it's your next door neighbor that hates your guts. And you're about to pass out. You know what you'll say? Cancel the surgery. You know why you would do that? Because it doesn't matter how much that person may be good at their job if you don't think they love you. See how you have to have both? See, some of y'all could be like, man, pastor, I believe, I trust you. It seems like you know how to help people, but I don't even know if you love us. I can't help you now, can I? You have to have both. If you don't believe that I love you, it doesn't matter how good you think I preach. It doesn't matter how much you think that I can raise the dead or whatever else you think preachers can do. But it doesn't matter if you don't believe I love you, then we won't be able to have interactions that are healthy. So you have to have both. Yeah, watch this. The more power a person has, the more love they have to prove. Y'all catching that? The more power a person has, the more it is on that powerful person to prove that they truly love. Because power can become abusive. The person with the most power in the room has to be the person who serves the most. This is why Jesus died for us, because he has the most power. The one with the most power has to prove he has the most love. And this is why Jesus was never, ever accused of not loving people. Think about it, y'all. Jesus was accused of doing a lot of stuff, even being like a devil, being drunk, sitting with sinners and publicans, but they never accused him of not being loving. And let them never accuse us of not being loving. They may hate us for our truth. They may hate us for our stance. But people should never be able to say with a clean conscience that they believe we don't love them. We've got to convince people first and foremost that we love them. Nothing else matters. If you don't prove that you love somebody, it don't matter how good you can preach or sing or Bible study or dance across the aisles or pray or talk in tongues. You've got to, you've got to prove to people that you love them. This is what the Bible says, husbands, love your 
wives. Because if you're a powerful man, you're commanded to love your wife. Everybody listening tonight? I need everybody listening tonight. The Lord gave me a word for you tonight. I want to help you tonight. Husbands, love your wives. You know why? Because the only way to power over her is to love her more. So you have to connect love into it. You cannot power over someone if you're not willing to love them more. The only way to earn the right to be in charge is to love somebody more than they love you. And that's why the Bible says, husbands, you're the head of the wife. Therefore, you have to love her. It's okay to be powerful and have authority. It's okay. But the problem that gets out of balance is that when you don't love them and they don't feel the love, they don't respect you. And this is why every man, please hear me right now, you can get away with telling your wife it's time to go to church and she won't get mad at you if you love her. You can tell her she's spending too much money if you love her. You can tell her she's gossiping too much at AFC and she'll listen to you because you love her. You can tell her she's not right if you'll love her. But if you don't love her, she don't care what you say. Am I preaching good tonight? No? Okay. So husbands, you're commanded to love your wives. And as ministers, with our power and authority, we have to love people. We have to, okay? We must. If you want to be a ministry, you've got to first prove that you love people. We can work on the trust issues later, but you've got to prove you love people. Because if you love people, you will become trustworthy. You will. You'll do whatever it takes to earn someone's trust if you love them. So step one, we've got to make sure people know that they love them. And then, of course, we have to add in that trust factor. You have to have both. Let me keep going. You can trust somebody and not be convinced that they love you. Why would someone help you and not care for you? Because you're thinking, well, if someone helps me, they must love me. Did you know you can be helped by someone, served by someone, and that someone doesn't even love you? Yeah, have you ever gone out to eat? Hi, how can I take your order? They're smiling. They're, they're so happy to see you, aren't they? They, they just love y'all so much, don't they? They make $2.50 an hour, and, and they work at a, a junk job, and they hate it, but yet they just love you, don't they? You know what they want out of you? Money. You see how you thought they liked you, but maybe they don't like you. Maybe, maybe as soon as they turn around, they go, Ugh. have you ever seen them do that before? Yeah, I have too. I know you have. They were all nice to you. Oh, really? Okay, yeah, I'll get that for you. I love you. Okay. Ugh. They don't love you. They don't love you. I'm trying to prove a point tonight. Some of y'all think that you're loved, but you're not. You don't even know the definition. This world does not know the definition of love. This world thinks love is all superficial, all surface, all whatever's on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, seen in public. That's what people think love is. Treating you all flowery and nice. They think that's what love is. That's not love. That's not love. All right, let me give you another one, all right? This will hit right at home right here. We say, man, my boss sure does care about me. Yeah, people say that. Now, naughty y'all look like your boss doesn't say that about you, but some people say that, and they're like, oh, man, my boss cares about me. I'm just giving you an example. But yeah, amen, sister. Thank you. There you go. Yeah. We got one employee here tonight. Not sick. But, but it may be, watch this. Talk, let's talk business for a second, y'all. Let's talk business. I understand business. Let's talk business. Maybe you can connect to this parable. It may be that your boss treats you really good, 
Because if he treats you really good, you'll work really good. And guess what happens if you work really good? Your boss makes more money. Am I right? Yeah. Everybody Chick-fil-A is so nice. Guess who gets the raise when everybody Chick-fil-A is so nice? The owner of Chick-fil-A. Yeah. He, he gets a bigger yacht when everybody says, my pleasure. I'm telling y'all, the hard work that those people do in the sun saying, my pleasure, they may get a 50 cent an hour raise every now and then. But guess what? When they're doing a great job, guess who gets most of the money? The people in charge. Do you think that everyone in the world just loves everyone in the world? We know better. Do you know why they treat people so good? Because if they treat you good and create a good working environment, you'll work better and they'll make more money. They don't love you. They're just using you most of the time. And they're treating you good because you're scratching their back. They'll scratch yours. Is that love? No, it's not love. It's not love because the motivation is, has all to do with how much of an asset you are. And you don't know someone's really loving you until you become a liability. You ready for this one? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were a liability to the company, Christ died for us. While we had nothing to offer the business, he still gave his life for us. Not knowing if we'd ever serve him at all, he still served us. He loved us when we were unlovable. He loved us when we had nothing to give. True love is not proven until you've become a liability for someone. You don't know you're loved until you've, you've made someone mad. You don't know your marriage is going to make it until you've had the fight, the big one, the one where it almost broke everything, the battle of the century, the battle of the ages. And in that moment, you reached a mountaintop of offense, and that's when you questioned everything in your marriage. You know why? Because in that moment, you felt like, I've been good to you, and you're going to do this to me? Do you know what's happening in that moment? In that moment, your spouse has become a liability, and you've got to choose whether or not you truly love them. You don't know you love someone until they become a liability. You don't really know you love someone until you're putting everything in and you're getting nothing out of it. That's the definition of love. You truly pass the love test when you are around someone investing in them, but they're never investing back into you. And until you've experienced that, you have not proven that you love somebody. And that's why relationships must have bad seasons so that we know that they love us. I know, I know we're living in 2022 and everybody wants to avoid conflict. But you know what? Conflict is good. You know why conflict's good? Because we need to have conflict to see if we love. Some of y'all don't even know people don't love you until you make them mad. You don't know who's a real saint at AFC until they're offended. Everybody's happy until someone's mad and then they're gone. You were never a saint in the first place. Never. You have to endure things. If you love me, you'll endure me for a while. If you love me, you'll put up with stuff that you don't agree with because you love. Love says, I'm going to be there and I'm going to commit even when it doesn't seem like I'm getting anything out of it. That's love. And God has called us to be loving people. Loving people. Loving people. We are supposed to be people that love even when we find a liability. We still love liabilities. 
Your prayer ought to be, God, help me to love the liabilities. Help me to love the drug addicts on the road that have nothing to offer me and that take my time, take my money, and help me to love them because the liabilities are the only way to prove the love. While we were yet sinners, Christ decided to invest in something that was falling to pieces. This is, how, this is why it's so beautiful that, that Jesus died for us, because he died for us while we were sinners, not when we were, we were effective or not when we were blessed. He died for us when we were at our worst. You, you don't truly love anybody if you're not willing to love them at their lowest. You don't love someone you're married to if in the worst season of their life you stomp on them. You don't love them. You don't truly know you have a love for something until it becomes a taking from you. And you still love them anyway. The true test of love is whenever you're under attack and you feel like no one cares and you wonder what you're getting out of it and you're getting zero and yet you still love anyway. That's how you prove to the other person and that's how you prove to God that I am serious. I haven't heard from you in weeks, God. It's nothing but darkness, God. Where have you been in my life, God? But yet I will trust you even though you slay me. Yet will I trust you because I love you, God. I love you like you love me. I love you whenever I was wrong. You still love me. I'm going to love you when I feel like I'm getting nothing out of it, God. I've been coming for weeks, Pastor. I don't feel anything. It's okay. This has been weeks you gave nothing to God. There's been weeks you gave nothing to God, and God still loved you. Y'all all right tonight? My prayer for us is that we would become a loving people. This is a message on love tonight. You might feel conviction. That's just because you know we, we can love a whole lot better. Hey, none of us are going to perfect love, so let, go ahead and let the conviction burn tonight. Ain't nobody going to get perfect at this message tonight. It's going to hit all of us. Ain't nobody there. I'm not there tonight, but I still have to preach it. We are a loving people. We serve a loving God. We've been given two base commandments. Love God, love your neighbor. Love God, love your neighbor. We've got to be a people of love. Can I teach some more? I want to deal with some practical stuff. You ready? It's like men will sweet talk you, and you think you're love, ladies. You are not love just because they sweet talk you? No, no. That's not the definition of love. You see, men will sweet talk you. And you say, oh, man, this is so good. And then you get married. It's like, oh, what happened to him? He used to love me and date me and take me places. And now we're married. It's just like, I feel like he just conquered me and it's over now. You see, that man wanted something in exchange. And then he got it. And this is when you find out if you truly love somebody. Yeah. And this is why marriages suffer. This is why relationships suffer. Because in the beginning, it's all about both getting something out of it. But then you hit seasons where only one gets something out of it. And you've got to prove whether you truly love that person. This happens all the time all over the world. Yeah. The question is, when that man finally gets you, how does he treat you now? Women wake up all over the world shocked. Like, I thought I married somebody else. That's because he wanted something that you had to offer. And then you gave it to him. How does he treat you now? Women in desperate need trust men's lies, and they find out later that they were desperate and should have never trusted him. And this happens every day in this nation, in this world. Every day, men deceive women. Women buy the lies, and women get hurt, and men get hurt. And this is our world, and it's all because we don't know the definition of true love. True love is not flirtatiousness. True love is not roses and chocolates. 
True love is when you get nothing in return, but you still love. Let me, let me teach the ladies something. This is online. I hope it helps somebody out there in, in Facebook world out there. Ladies, the Bible says we should not fornicate, which means you've got to keep your body to yourself. Your man doesn't like it. And if he can't be with you during the season of courting without, with, with being celibate and not being sexual, then he does not love you. The greatest way to test the man during your courting relationship is to not let him touch you and still want to marry you. I'm, I'm talking the truth today, right? This is why the Bible teaches against fornication because it's the best way to prove a man loves a woman is he gets nothing, but he still loves her. He gets nothing, but he still pays for the meal. He gets nothing and still builds her a house. He gets nothing because real love, it loves the liabilities. I get nothing out of this. I just love her. I hope I helped some ladies today. I want to protect you from the lies of the enemy because I can't talk about love and truth if I can't define love. Real love is not this sweet, pretty, super, superficial thing. Real love is when someone loses for you. Who in your life will lose for you? Who in your life? Not, not Jesus. Who, what person in your life will lose for you right now? Get them in your mind right now. Who will lose for you? Who will go on a three-day fast for you besides your pastor and pastor's wife? That's not a joke, by the way. Who will do that? Name somebody in your mind right now. I'm not joking. If, you're, if your soul was in the balance of heaven and hell and I had to go on a three-day fast for you, I would do it. My wife would too. Any member of this church, I would do it. Test or challenge anytime you want to. We would do it. We would sacrifice for you. And let me go, let me go further because I feel the Holy Ghost now. I would do it even if you weren't a tithe payer. Never get a thing out of people, but I still pray for you. Never get one dime of offering out of people. And people, there's people in our church have good jobs, been coming for years, look at their giving report, and I'm like, we bless them, we love them, we gave them a building, we serve them, but yet they never give a thing, and you don't know who it is. You don't know, you know why you don't know who it is? Because I'm a lover, because we've been called to love people, and we love people even when they don't love us back. That's what we're called to be. We're called, I'm jumping ahead of my notes, but, but we're lovers, y'all. Who in your life loves you that much? That's real love, y'all. That's real love. Who fights for you? Who stresses about over your destiny and your eternity? Who do you have in your life that cares that much to tell you the truth? Because you know what we do? We avoid each other. And that's because we're a hateful world that we love ourselves more and our own comfort zones. We avoid confrontation, not because of any other reason except we're selfish. The same reason why we don't spank our kids anymore is because we don't want to feel bad. I don't want to feel bad. Forget them. I don't want to feel bad. I'm a parent speaking from experience. I don't want to feel bad. So I avoid the tough talks and the punishments because I'm selfish. That's what's happening, guys. Everybody said, thank you, Lord. Here we go. Let's keep going. You all right? Take a good breath. There you go. Um, okay. I mentioned already about this waiter. I'll just make sure I don't miss anything here. Do you think your waiter loves being your butler for $2.50 an hour? Real love doesn't just perform for its own reputation. Real love serves you when you have nothing to offer. Real love serves you when you have nothing to give to the establishment, to the person, or to the God. Real love serves you. When you are not faithful and you're not a giver, real love is proven and shows up. 
and the only way to know someone truly loves you is to go through a season when you have nothing to offer back. And that's why every relationship that's going to last and make it has to have a season where one party does not give. It has to happen, and it will happen. In every relationship, there'll be times when one party fails and you are tested. And that's when you either stay in the marriage, stay in the church, or you leave. And I'm telling you right now, I and my wife are here for you. If you mess up, we're here for you. If you do something wrong, we're here for you. Because that's love. But we've all got to become lovers, not just the pastor and leadership team of the church. You have to be a lover to go to heaven. You've got to love us and love people the same way we love people, or you'll be lost. The love of the Father is not in you if you don't have love for people. Yeah. Every relationship has to overcome the mountain of offense, this mountain where you give and get nothing in return for a season. It's a make-or-break moment for you, and you've got to pass the test. I can be hurt and love them back. I can be cheated on and love them back. I can receive no compliments and love them back. I can dress all pretty for him, and he doesn't say anything, but I still love him. He never gives to me. He works all the time. He never gives me what I need, but I love him. Men, wake up. If your wife is loving you through all your issues, you need to be thankful for a good wife thank God for good women is anybody thankful for good holy women that they give they love their husbands even when their husbands are not right when they're not leading spiritually they still love them anyway they still cook the meal anyway they still pray for them anyway thank God for holy powerful women of God we wouldn't make it for them. isn't that right brother Jason we wouldn't make it without our wives and I want to encourage you ladies out there today, be a strong, powerful, spiritual woman, no matter what he does. Yeah. Because if he's under attack, he needs your help. So be strong. Get a prayer life. Get in the Word. And love him even if you're getting nothing in return. Because that's the love of God. It's deeper than your relationship with that man. It's the love of God. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord for the word tonight. I got to keep going, y'all. We're digging this out tonight. As Christians, we're called to serve and love when we are talked about and hurt. We're still supposed to love people. The goal is to not simply endure the abuse, but to love people out of abusing us. Y'all, love changes people. Am I right? Love changes. Maybe, maybe where you're at, you say, love hasn't changed anything for me, but it does change people. Maybe your situation is one of two things. You're not truly loving correctly, which means it won't work. Or number two, it just hasn't happened yet. you got to keep grinding it out. got to keep doing it. We've got to have love, but especially whenever we're hurt and we're talked about and we're abused. Because the goal of us loving is not so that we can just keep getting hurt. The goal is to love them to where their hearts get soft. And they say, why am I hurting someone so loving? Every man, every woman, every relationship, there has to be a party that says, you have done me wrong, but I'm still here for you. Because if you will love people, this is what happens. If you will love people, you open up a door to speak the truth. You know, the reason why we can't be honest with people is because nobody thinks we love them. That's kind of where this is heading tonight. The Lord wanted me to tell you that if you can't convince people that you love them, it doesn't matter how much you got going for you, your ability, your power, your anointing. If you can't prove to your spouse, to your friend, to your neighbor, to Jesus, you've got to prove that you love. It's amazing what you can say to God when you know that you love him. 
You can be like Abraham, a friend of God, who says, God, spare the city. God's like, I made my mind up. He's like, but what if, you, what if you find someone righteous? What if you find 50 righteous? Will you spare? He said, sure, I'll spare the city. Look at a man talking to God, changing his mind. How do you speak honest to God? Love God. I feel the Holy Ghost tonight, y'all. How do you get real in your prayer life? How do you tell something to God? How do you get through and be honest with your feelings? Love God enough to speak the truth to God. The reason we can't be honest with people is because there's no love between us. Just while I'm talking, just be open tonight because God is trying to speak to us tonight. He gave me a word for you. I'm talking miraculously. Right before I walked in here, he gave me a word for you. Everything. This is not premeditated eight days of study. This is tonight right before church. God gave it to me. I've already had this in my heart for weeks, but I haven't gotten down and done this. God is speaking to us tonight. And somebody online, God's speaking to you tonight. This is so important we catch this. When we love people that hurt us, we purchase the ability to be honest with them and it be received for once. But pastor, I'm right. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, y'all. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter what you've got to offer somebody. It doesn't matter. If you can't convince them that you love them, it doesn't matter. Stop trying to talk them into it. Just start to serve them. Start to serve them like Jesus would. Y'all, we are so smart, yet we're all fighting all the time. I'm talking about as a culture, as a world. We know everything, and yet we can't get along. You know why? Because we tell each other everything, and we don't love each other. You know what you ought to do? You ought to do this, blah, blah, blah. You ought to fix this. You ought to get rid of that. You ought to get holy. You ought to, we, we do that. We preach, we pick, but we don't love. And so we kill our honesty because we haven't given love to people. We haven't purchased the ability to be honest with people. And so you know what needs to happen in the apostolic church? Not take away our truth. Add our love. Not take away our truth. Add our love. We are the truth church, but we haven't always been the love church. You know I'm telling the truth. You've been around church for a while. You know I'm telling the truth. Half of y'all are here because there wasn't no love in the church that you left. You know what I'm talking about. We've got the truth, but it doesn't work on the world, and that's why there's so many empty pews tonight, because we got the truth, but we don't love people. That's the, I feel in the Holy Ghost right now, that's the word right there for us right now. And that may hurt a little bit, but i got to preach it anyway. We don't have a love for people. We don't. We don't have a love for God or people like we should. And tonight we've got to catch this revelation. We don't love people. We love ourselves. And that's why our truth has been squashed. You know, everybody's trying, to, everybody's trying to find more truth, but it's not been a truth problem. Wow, I'm telling you, I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. I'm not trying to brag on myself. I'm telling you, I'm trying to convince you. I'm speaking in the Holy Ghost right now. The reason why we're getting new doctrines in the last days is because they thought we were lacking something, but we, we were never lacking truth. We were lacking love. I'm telling you, I'm feeling something in the spirit right now that has not even crossed my mind ever before. But there has been a complete shift in the apostolic Pentecostal movement, and we're all saying, maybe there's something wrong with our truth. But I come to tell you prophetically tonight, I have a word from God for us right now and probably beyond us tonight that there never has been a problem with our truth. The problem has been with our love, and we think there's something wrong with our truth. And we keep going to the Bible, looking at the Word again, wondering if our doctrine's correct. But we never did get the doctrine of love down. 
I hope it bears witness with your spirit tonight. I hope some of you have been in church a while. Can you raise your hand? You've been in church a while. You feel me tonight? Anybody been in church a while? You testify right now that I'm telling the truth and the Holy Ghost right now. We have the greatest truth. We've got the revelation of Jesus and the oneness, all of the salvation. But the reason why we lack and question our truth is because we don't love. <laughs> oh, God help us. God help our generation. God help the young preachers. Uh, help the pastors. Uh, God help us realize uh, we've got the truth. Uh, don't go change your truth. Change your love. God help us and deliver us. Thank you, Jesus. Help us, God. In Jesus' name. Think of it from the pastoral perspective for just a moment as a parable. My wife and I welcome guests. We love them for months, many times before they ever get right and they ever begin to become part of us. That's the way every church works. At least that's the way it should work. The majority of people that we love that come to our church never come back. The majority of people we invest into never come back. The majority of the people that we bring to the altar, we sweat and cry and pray to deliver them from their issues, will say thank you and never come back. And we do it again the next week. How much rejection can you take? Or like, I don't like rejection. This is my job to be rejected. It was Jesus's. Yo, rejection is required. Man, I'm feeling something. So rejection is required if you have love. If you cannot take rejection, then you do not have love. Because love puts you out there and makes you vulnerable. Love gets hurt and comes back out here on Wednesday and says, but I've had people not respect my ministry. Do it again. There's somebody out there that needs it. But what about, what about wasting time? No, 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 no. It's about loving them. It's not about what they do for you. It's not about how they respond to you. It's about how you respond to me. You've got to go love them. You've got to be my mind and my heart and my hands. Don't worry about their response. Just go preach again. But they don't listen. But they left after I prayed for them. It doesn't matter. Your job is to love them. If I'm your pastor and I'm supposed to be your example, then would you learn from it? I reach out to people and pray for people that never receive it, and I do it again. And I get nothing from it. I've lost time. I could have spent on someone else. And I do it again and again and again because I love them. It's the definition of love, doing things for liabilities that never give anything in return, and there's no guarantee they ever will. That's love. This is my view tonight. I hope it helps you see how you should be. We don't call that time a waste. We call it love. Around 30% of our attenders don't help our church spiritually or even financially, but we still love them. And you don't know the difference of who gives and who doesn't, and I'm like it that way. Because you should never know who among us is not supporting. You know why? Because we treat everybody the same. It doesn't matter. We love you anyway. Y'all, for the past five years, three years, I've had to look at the giving role and know how many times I've prayed for people, love people, and how many times they've said, y'all deal with it on your own at AFC. 
And yet I get up here and I pray for them again. And they come to the front and I get the oil and I say, I love you, I'm here for you. They give nothing. The gas money I spend to go or do whatever, they give nothing. My point is this, that's called love. This is what God's calling you to do. If we're going to reach this city, you've got to be willing to invest in somebody who may never invest back into you. You cannot calculate whether they will give or whether they won't give. Forget all of that. Don't even think about it. Don't even put it in your mind. Just love people and serve people and preach and teach, and it's okay. That's God's problem, not mine. That's God's problem. Pastoral perspective. See, y'all never see this perspective. What job would you do and invest and invest and invest and never get anything back? You wouldn't do it. You'd go crazy, would you? You wouldn't work a job that didn't pay you back. That's called ministry, y'all. That's what we're called to do. Every person we invest in is by faith because we may spend time and time and time they may leave. We can't get that time back. It's called love, y'all. And what we're doing at AFC, God wants you to do. God wants you to move time out of your schedule where you get nothing back. God wants you to move time out of your calendar where you're not always getting something all the time. Well, I, I got to work because I get something. What about not getting anything this week? What about finding someone that's a liability? That's the love of God. Some come for years and we pray and we love them for free. We may never get anything in return because that's love. And as your example, I'm telling you that to tell you I need your help. I need you to love people. God needs you to love people. And you may never get anything in return. Except one day on those streets of gold, we're going to get crowned and we're going to have that. I will have that. You'll have that. God has not not seen that. You may not get anything down here, but you're going to get a bigger crown up there because you're going to get everything you thought you needed down here up there. We've got to love people even when it seems like it's wasting our time. There's no waste when you plant a seed and move on. You never know if that seed will not come to pass decades down the road. Don't call time in the kingdom wasted. The other day I was praying for somebody, I believe it was Jaden, I was praying over his ministry and the Lord spoke to me and said that the word will not return void and I said to him in the spirit, I said, Jaden, everything you say will always go out and never come back. Every word is valuable. And I believe that means this, I believe there's never a waste of preaching the gospel. There's never a waste when you open up your mouth and use it for God. It's never a waste. Don't you ever say, I wasted my time on somebody. You don't know that. It's impossible. The Word of God goes and doesn't come back. The Word of God goes, it stays in the hearts and the minds of the people, and you can't say if it's a waste. We're not going to calculate this revival. We're going to submit to God in this revival. We're not going to make it numerical. We're not going to get numbers on who gets baptized. We're going to serve and love everybody the same. We're not going to become that kind of mechanical church that we do everything for the numbers so we can broadcast it and make sure everybody knows that we're getting the attention. We're just going to be a loving people every day of our lives. And we're going to let God use us on liabilities. Because, y'all, they're liabilities before they're ever assets. And if we're not willing to invest in liabilities, God will never send us assets. Never become one. Help us, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. It's the will of God to love people so much that they'll start to soften their hearts, 
and let you into their bubbles. Y'all, we have all been hurt so bad by so many people, haven't we? No one trusts anybody anymore. Everybody's on edge. People don't trust their own spouses, the person they ought to love the most and have the best relationship with. There's so much tension. You can sense it and feel it, cut it with a knife. Because we live in an hour where there's no love for people. It's all selfish and fearful. But if you will love people correctly, here's what happens. This is so important. Here's what happens. It will begin to soften hearts and allow people to come into your life. And they will be much easier to plant a seed into their hearts. I am so thankful tonight that Jesus was our example of true love. I am so glad he died for us when we were sinners. And Christ loved us when there was no guarantee we would ever love him back. He died for us anyway, even not knowing anything about whether we would respond. In fact, I dare say Christ even goes beyond that. He knows who he will die for and who will never serve him. I don't. That's powerful right there, y'all. That goes to show you that God is so much love that he knows you'll never love him back and he still loves you anyway. Could you do that for somebody? Well, we're really digging now, aren't we? What if he never changes? Well, then you would know what God knows and you would still have to love him. Because God knows what will never happen, and yet his character does not change. Isn't that cool? Isn't it cool to know that God knows everything, and yet he still loves us anyway? Isn't it cool to know that God knows which of you or any of you, God forbid none of you, will never really get right with him, but he'll still love you and send me to preach to you and pray for you and care for you, and he knows you'll never turn? Because the love of God has nothing to do with you. It has all to do with who he is. That's awesome, y'all. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus did not give out the commandments first. He said this to his disciples. He said, follow me. He did not say, die for me. He said, follow me. The first commandment you should ever give to someone who's new and seeking is not to die. That will just scare them away. But the first thing you say to someone who's brand new and needs something from God is just spend time. Just spend time with me. Just spend time with God. Just spend time with me. Just spend time with God. Just get a Bible study. Just spend time with me. Let's just spend time with God. Why? Because time with God equals love. If you want people to receive the truth, you've got to get around them and let them feel the love. We good? So he said, follow me, stay with me, watch me, feel my love, because it takes time to know that you're loved. It's not automatically. Y'all, we're living in a day right now where y'all don't trust anybody, especially people in a suit. Apparently the media is telling not to trust white men, which I happen to be one. And uh, in case you didn't know, I know I'm a man, by the way. Thank God for that. Aren't you thankful? I know I'm a man. But they're telling you not to trust a white male in America. They're telling you all that mess. There's never been so much chaos and racism and problems. There's racism like crazy on all sides. And the whole world and the whole nation is saying, don't trust people. Don't trust. Nobody cares about you. It's a lie. There is love in the church. You are loved at AFC. We do care about you. We do love you. You need to test us and find out probably, but we do love you. We do care about you. And every day we're loving you even more. I know I'm starting to love you more because I'm starting to want to tell more of you the truth. The way that you know you love people is when you're willing to get dirty. 
to help them out. Nothing is more stressful than having to tell someone the truth. And that's why we avoid it. We like, go, God, please, I don't want to talk to them. Please just fix it for me. I don't want to talk to them. And God's like, do you love them? And I'm like, yes, Lord, of course. He's like, go talk to them. This goes two ways, by the way. I love you. I talk to you. You love me. You talk to me. Right? I know for a long time there was a big gap between the pulpit and the pew, but that's not biblical. I know for a long time your pastor back in the day told you that you're nothing like me, but we're all supposed to be Christians. I have a different gift. That's the only difference. I have a different role in the church, but we're all Christians. We all love the same. You do not get to love me less, and I have to love you more. That's not how ministry works. We all have to love each other the same. And the only way to truly love people is to spend time with people. You know who loves my wife and I the most? People who hang out with us the most? Lorena, do y'all love us? We spend a lot of time with y'all. You know, I would be scared if Lorena and Omar didn't love us because they hang out with us so much. That would say a lot about us. But I'm not worried about someone who doesn't like us because they never hang out with us, because they don't know us. The people that you truly want to look to to judge if someone's great are the people closest to someone, not people furthest. But pastor, who loves you guys? Who's for you guys? The people that are closest to us are the ones that know us the best. And the people that know you the best are the ones you want to listen to. Not the ones that never go to church. Not the ones that never pray. Not the ones who are barely around. Why would you listen to someone like that? And why would you, why would you make your mind up about anybody if you're not spending time with them first? See, the point I'm using with us in the church is you've got to give time to people before you love them. That's why Jesus said, just spend time with me. Some of y'all ain't never spend time with people, and yet you're mad at them all the time. You never hang out, but you've already prejudged them. You boxed them up and said, I ain't never going to hang out with that person. I don't like them. How much have you hung out with them? Oh, and by the way, people change, especially over the 10-year feud you've had. You've given them plenty of time to change. Give people a chance. Go love them again. Let's be a loving people. Let's spend time. That's my point right now is you can't say that you don't love someone and they don't love you if you don't spend time together. Here's my challenge. Go eat with them one time and then tell me if you don't love them anymore. Because nine times out of ten, you don't even hang out before you judge them. You're distant. You barely come to church. You barely ever talk. And then you say, I think I have a problem with that person. That's because you never hang out with them. We can't do that, y'all. We're wiser than that. Love takes time. I said I was going to be short, but they took the clock off the screen. So I don't know what time it is. It's not my fault. It must be the will of God tonight. But I can't look right here, all right. <laughs> Tell the truth. I got a computer in front of me. Let me go through a few more here. We judge quickly. We don't trust people we don't give time to. We judge quickly, which is not wise or godly. We avoid people we don't trust or, or believe love us. We stay away. We disconnect. We try to go the other direction because we don't want to have any interaction because we're scared. And by the way, the way you approach somebody, it sets the tone for the environment. When you approach somebody scared, they're scared. Like, it could have gone good. But when you walk up and you're like, oh, I'm nervous, I'm nervous, I'm nervous. Are you going to punch me? I'm like, I wasn't. I might now. I didn't, I didn't plan on it. I may, should I punch you? It's like you create the environment. But you know what's crazy about faith? You walk up on someone and say, I believe it's going to be okay. I go, well, good, me too. But you know what we do? We live in such fear and such hate. We don't love people that you can sense it when people walk up. It's like, oh, this is going to be bad. Why can't we sense something and go, it's going to be good? 
I love you. I'm for you. You're for me. God's with us. Let's talk and be happy. But you know we don't do that. We, we have a preconceived idea because of our past that it's about to go the way it used to. And that's called fear, not faith. We are the people of God, y'all. This is not who we are. We're a loving people. We're a faithful people. God help us because we don't trust people and we don't give them time. We keep the conversations real casual, real quick. Instead of dealing with the roots in our hearts, we don't feel safe to talk about the truth around people. No matter how great somebody is, you can't know it if you don't invest time and you open up. And that goes for God and for man. You've got to spend time in prayer to know your God. You've got to spend time in his word to know your God. You've got to spend time to fall in love. If you are not willing to invest time, you'll never have trust or love with that person. You know, the reason why I'm preaching so much about people missing church is because I get two services with y'all to find out if you can trust me with your soul to go to heaven. Two a week. I get a few hours a week. You spend more time with everything else ungodly in the week. I get two services with you, and you're like, Pastor, why are you always on our case? Because you have a trust issue. Because you've been burned by men of God and you don't have a trust for me. You need to spend time with us. You need to clear your calendar and go eat with us. You got to fix and heal what's wrong so you can get right with God, get right with the pastor, and make sure you make it to heaven. But that means you've got to take time. I'm willing to take the time for anybody to make sure that there's trust. But you have to also. Our church recently went through a pastoral transition. Here's my closing tonight. We're done. They say it takes five years to become everybody's pastor. Tonight is very relative. If I were 65, I wouldn't be preaching about this. Because that's not the season that we would be in. This is the season that we're in. So they say, with all the cool books that you read and pastors tell me, now it's going to take five years for people to really let you be the pastor. That's about how they've said it too, just kind of like that. Well, I've got good news. I've been pastor for a little over three. Yay. That means I'm not y'all's pastor. Yay. Exciting news. What that means is before people will trust you to be their pastor. There's a difference in being voted in, yeah, let's let this guy be our pastor. And being like, if he tells me, I'll do it. See, there's a big difference. There's a big difference in being a pastor and being someone's pastor. I've noticed some people text me, hey, pastor, and some people text me, hey, brother Green. And I'm like, I hope I'm your pastor and not just a brother in the church. But what I'm finding is it's true. It takes time for people to get to know you before they truly trust you. And that's not a bad thing. That's just what they're trying to tell us. It takes time. So I've been here three years pastoring, five years total. In that three years during my pastorate, I suffered a neck injury. I've had to leave state eight times since I've been the pastor in three years. Leave my kids, fly out there, go through horrible pain while I don't know what's happening at home. During COVID, mind you, for the th last three years, what a ride it's been. After seven months of becoming a pastor, COVID hits. I have a neck injury. I've got total body symptoms. <laughs> I've got enough energy to do everything miserably. That's what I got. I'm fighting COVID. 
I'm brand new at pastoring. Everybody in our church is brand new, by the way. Fun fact for you, AFC has been turning over its membership for the past five years. When I came here, there was about a 50% growth. What that means is when I came here, half of you weren't here probably. About half of our church is brand new in five years. And half of them have come from churches that they were abused from. And here we are trying to have a party. Brand new pastor, hurt saints, marriage is busted, COVID going on, pastor's busted. It's just a miracle we even have a church at all. Breast cancer, thank you. I'm not even talking about your problems. Thank you. That adds to the narrative. Thank you. Breast cancer. All during the first three years. And on top of that, they say, if everything's perfect, it takes five years before you're really people's pastor. That's just the facts, y'all. Oh, I forgot to add. Bishop, since he stepped down, has had health problem after health problem after health problem, and that's not normal. Usually your bishop's there, right there, cheerleading you on every service, healthy as he can be, ready to go, but our bishop's been under spiritual attack for his body for the past three years. Heart surgery, back problems, pain, and even right now they're trying to figure out what's going on in his body. The odds have been stacked against us at AFC from day one. The devil's tried everything he can to destroy it. The devil has tried everything he can. The odds have been stacked against us. It's the facts. It's the truth. And yet my wife and I can't even count the victories we have seen in five years. And while I can't spread everybody's dirt to you and tell you how many awesome victories we've had at AFC, you'll just have to trust me when I tell you we've had five years of incredible victories. We've had five years of God blessing and changing lives and powerful services. We have come through all of that. What would happen if we got all that over with? Yeah? So I, I think the best is in front of us. I think we're just getting started. I think we're just getting warmed up. I think that with all that against us and we've still been able to grow and still been able to have revival, still be able to bless and, and do what we're doing and finish our building, I'm thinking, oh man, devil, you better watch out because we're just getting started. We've got a youth pastor, a kids pastor. We've got staff members. We're finishing the building. We've got big dreams. We started a school, y'all. Just getting started, y'all. I'm excited about it. Our ministerial mission is love and truth for my wife and I. We want to be people of great love and people of great truth. People need to know that we love them, and that means we have to give to people who do not give back to us. And the only way to know that we love you is to have a conflict with us. Because everything's all rosy and good, you're there, you love us, we love you, until all of a sudden something happens. And this is where, in the past three years, I've seen people just lose their mind. Because we don't know we love each other until we've had a problem. In your marriage, with God, any relationship. If you don't go through a problem, you don't, you don't know you love. So your day may not have happened yet to where you've had a challenge, but it will come eventually. And you've got to pass that test. 
And I'm telling you as a commitment, I will pass that test for you. I pray to God you pass that test for me and for others in the church. Because this is not about me. This is about my story and my example. But listen, I want you to know I love you, but love's not enough. We have to work to prove that we're trustworthy, my wife and I. That we know how to help people get out of their issues. That we can help your marriage issues because we've helped our marriage issues. We're trustworthy. How can I trust the greens to get out of my marriage? Because we've openly told you we've worked on ours. Yet I still have couples in the church not meeting with us for counseling. What a waste of a pastor who has gone through it, overcome it, and yet people still hide. And usually it's the men. Because the women are ready. They tell my wife. But the men are quiet. It's not the will of God for the women to want the revival. It's the will of God for the men to want the revival. And if you don't want it, God will send more. But I hope it's you tonight. I hope it's those already here tonight. There's no sense in starting over when you're already here and you want to do right. But God's calling the men tonight to say, I want to trust the ministry and I want to believe that God sent you here and that I can trust you. So I tell you openly and I confess openly that you can win as a male. You can win and lead your family and be right with God and raise your kids right because we understand and God wants to use us to help you. That's why you're at AFC with your marriage problem. We're helping a lot of younger people right now. My wife and I have a lot of younger people around our age and younger. Maybe because the older don't think we have anything to offer them. Been praying about that. If that's true, I'm sorry you feel that way. I like to think that we're ahead of our years. I like to think that we have a lot of success in our life in every area. I like to think there's a lot of elders who have very little going for them. And if you look around, I think we should be trusted by the elders too. I think that we're living in a day when it doesn't matter how old you are. It's about the quality of the person. I've seen people that are older that have nothing going for them. No spiritual power, no anointing, just gray hair. You cannot measure our ministry off of our age. You've got to measure it off the anointing and the wisdom of God and whether God has placed us here. And I hope that we can help older people's marriages too. Because everyone younger that talks to us, we're helping them. Where are the older ones at? Middle-aged ones at? I hope you don't have, I hope you don't let pride stop you from being healed because you have a pastor and wife wanting to help you. So I hope that's not the truth. So tonight, to prove that we can be trusted, we will share our journey of victories with you as we conquer them like we have with others. This confession that we give to you about our lives, about struggles with pornography, about marriage issues, about struggles with parenting, about all the things you're facing but just not telling anybody, we are sharing those with you, the community, and even tonight, yes, on Facebook Live, not hiding them. And the reason why we're doing it is because you have trust issues and you don't know if you can trust us. And the only way to heal is for us to be vulnerable and open. We have to be the ones to take the hit so that you can trust ministry, men, all of that again. Even women, pastor's wives. You have to be willing to hear that from us as we open up so that you can say they're different. They care. They're telling about their story. They've conquered so we can get help. And guess what happens when you do that? you got people like Sister Lorena. Did y'all hear her testimony last night? I thank God that 
she said that pastor preached a message a while back that sparked something in me to be able to go and confess. And she's doing really well. Do you know why she's doing well and the Omar's doing really well? Because they've connected close to us. They believe we love them. They, you're not going to catch them talking trash about us. Because we spend time together. Because we've opened up. Because we're doing it the God way. And you can have it too. You can have it with each other. You can have it with us. This city can have it. We are here for everybody. And so our commitment is we want to be a church and a ministry of love and truth. The last thing I want to tell you is about a guy I met today. I was at the church. A lot's going on. Electrical, this, that. It's a lot. We're preparing to leave. Getting my van is, is messed up. Trying to get in the shop, get it fixed, all that. Getting ready for the road. And I'm at the church. i got electricians here. And uh, our, our, our cleaning lady... She, she said, oh, there's a guy here. So I ran out to see who it was, and I've been down this road many times. Somebody pulls up on property asking for money. Another day in Del Valley. And so he begins his pitch as I stood out on the front porch of the church out here on the side porch, and I could tell right off the bat what he wanted, and I just beat him to the punch. I said, you're here for money, aren't you? He said, yes. I said, we get that a lot. I figured it was probably financial. He gave me a spill of what was wrong. I have done this so much, and normally what I do is I'm the, I'm the nice pastor. I'm the, well, bless the Lord, brother. What's going on? Really? Well, I'm so sorry. We don't have a fund set up for that or whatever. Or Okay, here you go. It's, I'm just the real, just, you know, I'm trying to make sure he feels my, my love and all that. But I could tell today something was different with this guy. I could tell that he needed help and something in me shifted and my love got really real because normally when I do that it's not the real love I should be portraying the real love is I need to help the guy get whatever he's got wrong fixed so you know what I said to the guy it came out of my mouth out of nowhere I said to this I said sir but you don't need money you don't need money you don't need it and he looked at me like you're looking at me like I came here for money. And I said, you don't need money. I said, you need Jesus. I said, you know what you need? You need a pastor in life that will pray for you. You need a church family that will be there for you. He said, I'm living out out of my car. I don't have nowhere to live. I said, that's because you don't have a church and don't have a pastor and don't have the truth. I said, you know what? Your life can change if you'll give your life to Jesus. You can get everything that you need. So this guy was actually sober enough to hear me. Most people are drunk or drugged out of their minds. And so guess what happened? I said, now we're big on giving people food. I ain't going to let you starve. I said, I'm going to go in the office and get you snacks. I'm going to come back and get you some food. And I went and got some snacks and a big old thing, a water case of water. And I gave it to him. He was so thankful. He said, I'm going to eat the banana right now because he was hungry. And we're going to eat. And, and you know what he said to me when I got back? He said, tell me more about this having a church kind of thing. I said, come on in and I'll tell you all about it. So I brought him into the office, and me and the electricians were there. They're both preachers from Arkansas. And I sat down with this guy, and I began to talk to him about what he could get if he'd have a walk with God. And I opened up my heart to him, and I preached the truth to him right off the street, uh, just right off the street. And he opened up his heart and began to talk. And I said, you know what you need? You need to go to church. But more than that, you just need to connect. You just need to get a Bible study right now. Just make that commitment. And he was thinking. His wheels were turning. You could see he was thinking about changing his whole life. And he said, I just don't know if I'm ready to give it all up. I said, don't give it all up. 
Just give one hour a week to a Bible study and see if you don't feel the love of God. See if you don't feel the pull of God. I said, I don't, I'm not asking you to die to him. I'm asking you just give him some time. He didn't want to answer right there in front of the guys. So we parted ways. I had his text information. It wasn't 10 minutes later. He's gone. I get a text. He said, I want to start the Bible study. Let's begin. Let's begin. Preach the truth. Why did I do that? Why did I create that discomfort? Because I felt something for the man. I felt a connection to him. I felt like I couldn't leave him hanging with a banana and just some cookies. I had to tell him the truth. It was my one shot, my one chance, and I gave him truth. My, my point is, y'all, we can love people enough. We can love them enough to do what's best for them, to tell them the truth. We were talking in the office there, and I, I'm really straightforward, and I try to get to the point. That's how I had some ladies in church, they don't like that when they talk to me. I wish your husbands were around more, but I've had some ladies in the church who are like, man, pastor's kind of to the point. Well, I'm a man. I get to the point. I'm business, you know? That's another lesson for another day, but anyway, I'm also not trying to flirt with your wives. Anyway, but, but we got to be careful about all that stuff. we got to make sure we're good. Oh, man. My point is, is I got this guy here, and we're talking, and here we go. I got a Bible study started. Watch this. Last thing, and we're almost done. But he doesn't trust me still. He trusts me enough for one hour. You know what i got to do now? I've got to build relationship with him. It's going to take a while. But over time, he's going to feel the love of God. Oh, I was talking about being straightforward. Yeah, that's what got me on that tangent. So I'm straightforward. Well, the, the electricians know me. One of the guys was with me in Dallas, and he's kind of laughing because I'm so straight with the guy. I'm just like, you need to get your life right. And he's just kind of laughing like this dude is letting him have it. And I, I kind of picked up on it, and I said, as you figured out by now, I'm very straightforward. I'm very to the point. He started laughing. He said, yeah, I picked up on that. I said, but don't you like the fact that I am not playing with you right now? I'm telling you the truth. And he smiled and said, yes, sir. He said, I can tell you're being honest with me. And then my buddy popped up and said, he is telling you the truth. He is not playing games with you. You see how you think people would reject you for being honest. They want it, y'all. They want it. People want you to love them enough to hurt them sometimes. That's ministry, y'all. We cannot lie. We cannot sugarcoat. We've got to be honest and real. We've got to, y'all. We've got to. That's the only way to change this world and have revival is to love people enough to say stuff that makes us uncomfortable. Yeah. Let's stand. Thank you, Jesus. Just from now on, I, I never, I'm never going to say it's quick or I'm going to be done fast or anything. It just makes a liar out of me. What meeting should you have that is so hard to have because you're afraid of it being uncomfortable for you, not them? I don't want to talk to her tonight. I don't want to get with my wife and have prayer tonight. It'll be awkward for me. No, 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 no. I'm willing to take that because I love them so much. That's love. Pastor, I love you and your wife so much. I want to get with y'all. I love you guys. I don't understand everything. I'm still trying to work on my trust with y'all. I've been hurt. So can we hang out and develop a relationship? Because others love you. I want, to, I want to feel what they feel. Absolutely. Let's meet. Let's do it. Brother across the church, sister, I don't like you. You look at me funny. Can we hang out? Maybe you're cool Here's what I've learned about relationships. If they're friends with other people, they can be friends with you. If they were complete devils, they'd have no friends except other devils. If they have a friend at all, they are friendly. 
You just got to get to know him. Isn't that right, brother? You're a friendly guy. I know you are. Yeah. All right, let's lift our hands. I'm going to let you go. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you. Oh, God, I hope this helps someone tonight in the name of Jesus. I hope tonight somebody's heard. I know it's Wednesday. I've really tried, God, to dig in tonight and not hold back tonight because I love these people that you have given to me, Lord, to pastor. God, to help you, Lord, I thank you, God, for giving us the honor of letting us be here to open our voices, God, to break the deceitfulness, uh, to break the yoke off of the end times, God. I pray right now a breaking in scales to follow off the eyes of the people of God who don't trust and don't know who loves them. I pray that they may, they may know that we love them at AFC, that we will love them at AFC, that we are there for them as brothers and sisters, as a pastor and pastor's wife. We love them. I pray they will feel it tonight. They're telling me the truth. They're going to be real with me, and that's because they care. They don't care about themselves. They care about me. They're willing to be uncomfortable for me. Thank you, God, for the word tonight. Thank you, God, for speaking to us. Thank you for digging deep inside and giving us truth and love tonight. In Jesus' name, I thank you, God, for your help. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. You're good to us, God. I hope it helps you, church family. I hope that you know that we care about you. And if you'll just give us about two more years, maybe we'll become your pastor. And we want to be your pastor. And I'm telling you, you know, can I say something before you leave? You're all cool. I'm going to just open my heart. Can I thank you for being with us for three years through all the hell we've been through? We, we have been through hell. And we smile through it and we keep preaching, but we have been through hell. And I'm thanking you so much for not, not just leaving us, and ditching us and saying they're young and it's too tough. Thank you so much from our hearts for being, being here with us. And, and you're special to us, especially the, the remnant, those of you who hang with us, those of you who are at every service. It means so much that you are faithful because, because we have come through so much and God has blessed us. But thank you very much for being faithful people. And we will never forget it. It means so much to us that you have stuck beside us. All right, I got to stop. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. We love you. If you need anything or want love from us, please reach out and tell us. Please tell us, I don't feel the love. I don't trust you. That doesn't offend us. We can work on that. We can fix that, y'all. I promise you, in Jesus' name, you're dismissed.